Unity on the Solidarity with Autonomy Network. Let's get some disclaimers out the way really quick. This is intended only for members of Narcotics Anonymous. This is not an NA meeting. This is not a service of NA. This is not a service for NA because it hasn't, uh, it's not uh, sanctioned or created by home groups. This is a member of NA expressing his opinions within the traditions on things that go on inside of Narcotics Anonymous as well as with regard to those services that the fellowship creates. This is a service to Narcotics Anonymous. Really quickly, the differences are a service of Narcotics Anonymous is something the home groups do that is part of carrying that message directly, like when a home group holds a meeting. The meeting is not the group. The meeting is a service, in essence, of Narcotics Anonymous. It's what the home group does. Services for Narcotics Anonymous are service boards and committees we create that are not part of Narcotics Anonymous, but are only for Narcotics Anonymous and are tools in the hands of the groups exclusive to Narcotics Anonymous. A service to Narcotics Anonymous is something that an individual member of Narcotics Anonymous does that uh, stays within the traditions and does not endorse or oppose outside entities. That said, that's what this is. Uh, also, if you're looking for recovery, go listen to episode two and uh, then get yourself to a meeting. Go online, search for Narcotics Anonymous meetings. Uh, if you're someplace that uh, there's not a lot of internet access and if you're listening to this podcast, I'm assuming that you're somewhere where there is internet access. I don't know, maybe somehow you came up with a copy of this, but if you don't have internet access, get to a phone book or whatever your country or region has that where you can find help, find a Narcotics Anonymous meeting. That's where you're going to find recovery. Uh, and uh, lastly, if you're not a member of Narcotics Anonymous, please tune out at this time. Uh, this is intended only for members of NA, and it's so that we stay within our traditions and that our own internal debates and controversies do not become public fodder. Uh, and aren't misconstrued in any way. And if you're new to Narcotics Anonymous, it's probably, uh, this isn't a place for recovery. And these are things that need to be done. We need to hold our services accountable. And sadly, it has become a controversy. And it shouldn't be. Uh, but uh, the controversies aren't a place to find recovery. And unfortunately, uh, if we don't stand up for our traditions, We've seen what happens. Uh, they are trampled. They go away. They're subverted via concepts, blah, blah, blah. Stuff you heard from me before. Um, so you're hearing probably, I'm assuming, a very clear, clean, good-sounding recording right now. We're about to switch because I will have recorded the actual scripted portion of this on the phone. Uh, and that is because 
I need to read the actual essay from my phone. I don't have a hard copy in my hand. For those of you who don't know, I'm currently homeless. I live in my car. It's not easy for me to get to a printer and print up a hard copy of what's online. If I hold this phone in my hand, you've probably experienced another podcast. You hear this weird clicking, or if you're listening like on a car sound system or a good sound system that has bass, almost an explosion that comes over the speakers when I touch the screen. So we're going to avoid that. And also, it'll make very clear that separation of what is the scripted portion of the podcast. There were a lot of things that felt like when I had uh, made an attempt at recording this before that they were important. The only thing that's really standing out in my mind right now is there are various documents uh, that are supporting documents in accordance with this essay that's going to be read. Now, I was actually surprised because I thought maybe this essay had become a podcast before. No, it is just quoted extensively in many other podcasts. And there was a podcast that Jason G did that is actually one of our episodes um, that does quote is based on this essay and does quote from it extensively. But there is not a podcast that actually just is a read of this entire essay. I believe it was written in 2014 or 2015. Thereabouts. It's, it's a pretty old essay, uh, but it's still very relevant today. Nas claims versus documented fact. Um, some of the links in the essay uh, may not be still functional, or they may all those uh, the links are still there, but the the links that are embedded in the essay may no longer be the current links. Um, so we have provided on the podcast platform uh, the downloads. the The link that is provided to you should take you to what used to be called Google. Docs is currently, as of this recording, uh, in 2020, uh, it's uh, Google Drive now. <laughs> so anyway, when you go there, what you're going to do is uh, you'll see a list of episodes, but there will also be, I'm assuming at the top of the screen, a list of folders as well. And they're documentation folders for the, the episodes that have accompanying documents. So you'll just find uh, the one that says uh, episode 82 documentation or something to that effect. Open that folder up and all of the documents that we reference should be there, in, including the actual essay, if I remember right. I'd be shocked if it's not. If it's not, I'll make sure it does get there. So all of the documents pertaining to this episode that are quoted within this essay will be uh, at that particular um yeah, <laughs> sorry, my mind is going, I, I, I'm i actually recording this portion last, these, this introduction, I've already read the essay, so uh, my mind, and I've been working all day, so my mind's a little bit bent, but uh, <laughs> yeah, the uh, all the documents will be listed there uh, that you can download, you can read along with the essay, you can research these things on your own, and if you don't want to trust me, which I recommend, treat me like a liar, go out and find these documents other places on the web, and see them for yourself, this is not stuff that, that I created, um, I think that's about everything, oh, if you are having trouble, like if you're on a cell phone, which a lot of people are, I'm assuming, when you get into the documents, um, and you're if you're seeing this grid view that's mostly pictures, and you're going, I don't understand this, what you're going to want to do, it's currently in the upper right-hand uh, side on phones. <laughs> but who knows in future years how this stuff is going to change. But you're going to want to find the little, um, you know, the little dot, 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 or the you know, up in the upper right-hand corner, the little uh, thing that you can toggle between a grid view and a list view. You're just going to toggle that over to the list view. Now, if you're having trouble because you can't see the entire title of a, a document or an episode or, or anything of that nature in these actual archives that are uh, linked from the SWAN site and, and linked from this description. What you're going to want to do is make sure that your phone, uh, that you can, you have the rotate function enabled, whether you're on an Android or an iPhone or whatever exists years in the future. And you just go on and turn that phone sideways, the horizontal view, because then it'll you know stretch the long way. You'll be able to read the entire episode. I mention that because I have been contacted before when someone's trying to get into the episodes and going, I can't read them. This doesn't make sense. And I tell them, okay, toggle it to the list view, and they go, well, I still can't read everything. And I turn your phone sideways. Uh, you'll get it. it you're you're uh, 
literate enough uh, or tech savvy enough. Most people are more tax, tech savvy than me, believe it or not. I'm, I'm 48 years old right now as I record this in 2020. I'm an old man. Um, I'm not super tech savvy. If I can figure it out, y'all definitely can. You know enough that you're actually listening to the podcast now. So play with it. It's, it's very simple, user friendly. Um, yeah. Uh, if you can't read, if, if you're on a grid view, if you're seeing pictures of headphones or pictures of little document representations, just toggle to the list view. Uh, and it should be the same on a desktop, even though you're not going to be touching the screen directly, at least not in 2020, unless I guess you're on a Chromebook or something like that. I guess we do have that technology. I'm going to quit talking about technology because I don't know a lot about it. I think I've covered all the disclaimers. I think I, it seems like there's something I'm missing, but I'm missing. But the essentials are there. I did promise this podcast, I think almost two months ago now. I put out a, a little thing on, on uh, social media, said, hey, we're going to do episode 82, here's what it's going to be about, and then I went out of town to go back east to the fellowship service conference, and I stayed and had a little fun, and ran out of money, and got stuck back east, and had to work my way back west, one of the benefits of being homeless, I'm actually voluntarily homeless at this point, I, I wasn't originally, but uh, I like it, y'all. And this isn't about me, so I don't know why I'm going into that. Okay, time for me to shut up. Uh, enjoy the podcast. I know I'm forgetting something, but uh, I don't know what. So from here on out, oh, I've always said on these podcasts that when podcasts are scripted rather than off the top of my head, I will let you know from here on out, the podcast is scripted. So again, you're listening to Autonomous Unity on the Solidarity, Solidarity with Autonomy Network, the SWAN S-W-A-N, uh, that's the exact reverse of some other acronym, <laughs> and we do thank you for listening, enjoy the show. Nas claims versus documented fact. Nas claim, in 1984, the fellowship voted to remove language from traditions four and nine. Fact, in 1982, the language was removed by four people in world service. In 1983, it was put back in at the fellowship's demand. In 1984, the Board of Trustees called for an emergency vote because a group from Nebraska questioned the decision in the form of a letter. The letter from Nebraska was not a motion, and the emergency vote was out of line with procedure and the traditions. Some of the RSRs in attendance at WSC protested taking a vote without the group's deciding. The trustee's solution was to give RSRs 60 days to poll the groups. However, many regions covered multiple states. In 1984, cell technology was in its infancy, and very few people had mobile phones, which were exceedingly expensive. Additionally, not many addicts even carried pagers, especially clean addicts. Answering machines were more of a luxury than the norm. Updated phone lists were hard to come by as they were hard copies. The Internet did not exist, let alone easily updated phone lists. Long distance was neither flat rate nor free. To make a long distance call, an RSR had to pay by the minute. The most direct line of communication from WSC to, the most direct line of communication was from WSC to regions to areas to groups. Most regions met quarterly, so the next regional meeting might be after the 60-day deadline. Best case scenario, this motion could have gone to the region the next month, to area the month after. Groups could then have a month to pray and meditate to come to an actual group conscience rather than, than an opinion. Send it back to area the following month, which could send a decision back to region the next month. The RSRs could then mail in the vote. Coincidentally, there are exactly three months between quarterly regional meetings. This quarterly process just may have had something to do with the fact that it was a three-month process to take a true conscience of the actual groups. At a minimum, it would take four months before an RSR could record the vote, put it in an envelope, and mail it in due to the fact that before the three-month group conscience process, when it actually involves the groups could begin at all at the regional level, it had to be taken from the world level to the regions. And this assumes all regions would be meeting the very next month. In short, there was a 60-day deadline on a process that takes a minimum of 120 days. 
Of course, this was all totally outside procedure, and a mail-in vote leaves all kinds of room for a lack of accountability as to who is voting. Not to mention the fact that the RSR is pretty much left to decide for him or herself without the proper time to get the conscience of the actual groups. All new business should have taken a full cycle and come back the next year to be voted on as old business. There is a region for, reason for the procedures, which were to ensure group conscience. Group conscience still took place in an actual group back then, before there were concepts that made service body opinion the working rea reality, albeit in violation of our supposedly non-negotiable traditions. Then again, the best way to subvert group conscience and a vote you know will go against you, after all the fellowship had just demanded the wording be restored, would be to short-circuit the process by which actual home groups give voice to an ultimate authority. In the face of concerns that RSRs would not be able to feasibly poll every group, the idea of a vote of confidence was promoted. Ironically, this negates the reason for polling groups in the first place. The 60-day polling process merely creates the illusion of true group conscience. Keep in mind, this is all pre-concepts, all before the process by which group conscience is subverted and moved into the service structure was seemingly legitimized by those concepts. In fact, at this point, the word group was still capitalized in our non-negotiable traditions, making clear that we are referring to groups proper, actual ANA home groups, rather than a generic use of the word group, which could apply to addicts on service boards and committees. The trustees went further in putting out a long memo containing four pages detailing the reasons to remove the wording. This memo included a measly two pages in which the opposing view was offered. The problem? The opposition to removing the original language to the traditions was so poorly presented and out of line with the actual reasons for the language in Traditions 4 and 9 that it reinforces the trustee position by virtue of arguments so weak it appears to be intentional. No one in the traditionalist movement, supporters of a literal application of the traditions, including the original wording of 4 and 9, knows who wrote the opinion that supposedly represented our side. No one can be sure, but many suspect the trustees wrote the entire memo. Had the opposing view been written by the opposition, every question the Nebraska group asked could have been answered and every trustee point countered. Now, I'm going to break from the script here or the actual essay that was written back, at, I believe this was 2014 or 2015, because there is a little bit of side information here, and I'm sure that there will be discussion in certain circles come up. When I, I was uh, the, the home group that I belonged to um, eventually posted this essay on, on the uh, original NA.org website, which is referenced in the essay. Um, but at the time, I had, I had written this essay. Now, when I was researching the essay, I'm going to change the names of these individuals because they're both still alive. Um, we're going to call these, these individuals um, Dick and Harry. We'll leave Tom out. So there's an individual named Harry who was a trustee. Now, as part of my research for this, I actually spoke to this man, and I asked him, hey, do we know who wrote this weak-ass essay, basically? Uh, you know, it had things in it like, oh, the reason we have to say that services aren't part of NA is because newcomers don't like authority, and they'll, they'll reject the, you know, basically we need to trick newcomers into thinking that, the services don't have authority, uh, which is BS. It's not what we thought. So I'm asking this individual, um, Harry, <laughs> I think I named this one Harry. Uh, we're going to stick with Harry for this point. We're asked this individual, do we know who wrote it? He said no. Later, after this, years after this has been published, I'm, I'm speaking to Dick, who uh, – now, Harry was a trustee at the time. I'm speaking to Dick – who was an RSR, I believe, at the time. He had been involved with service, and he tells me, uh, yeah, we do know who wrote it. Harry wrote it. So the problem I have here is, is two men who I love and trust, uh, who honestly don't get along and don't like each other. Uh, and I shouldn't say that. Um, it appears from the outside looking in that they don't get along and don't like each other. Uh, uh, I have Harry saying, yeah, we don't know who wrote that, and I have Dick saying, no, Harry was the trustee who wrote that. Uh, I have no proof either way. Um, I don't know if, if uh, you know, if, if Dick just 
suspects that Harry did it. If Dick has actual information, uh, Dick is not somebody who speaks that um, authoritatively without firsthand knowledge. And it's possible that because I was talking to Harry and was critical of it, he may have been embarrassed and like, oh, shit, you know, done the not just addicting, but human thing and lied to me. It's also very possible that uh, uh, Dick is just wrong about Harry. And, yeah, but, he, but here's the deal. We're going to hear it's, – it's almost irrelevant that I insert this there other than there are going to be people who read this and it's going to come up in certain forums that know this trustee did write that. All, I'm, all I can tell you here is that the trustee whose name is going to come up in certain forums, I spoke to him when as part of my research for this, and, and he said he didn't know. Um, now, if you don't know who those individuals are, great. That's why I'm protecting their anonymity. They're both still living. If you do know who they are, I would ask you to protect their anonymity and kind of refrain from those discussions. Uh, the, the point is we're certain that nobody from our side, meaning the traditionalist side, wrote that. Now, I'm not going to break from the script again, and I, I'm not even sure I should have done that. So back to the actual, and I say script, I'm talking about the actual essay. Back to the essay. There is... In the trustee letter, some indication that vaguely indicates that GSRs were being requested to take group conscience and forward it to the ASR, who was then to forward same to the RSR. However, it is unclear if there was any effort to actually mail ballots to each group or GSR, something that in, that something that in itself would have been extremely time-consuming and costly given the technology of the day. And the actual ballots allegedly counted were those of RSRs, not GSRs, groups, ASRs, or areas. Many groups claim to have never voted or been consulted, and it is unclear whether these ballots were to be mailed directly to the groups or were given to RSRs to take to them, assuming there were actually any ballots distributed to the groups at all. Again, one, action, one option is extremely costly, and the other would take far longer than 60 days. The outcome of this vote was predictable. The motion passed. However, some regions claim to not have voted because this was out of line with the established procedure and our traditions, which mandate group, home group conscience. Additionally, the actual ballots were lost. <laughs> the only thing ever seen by the fellowship was a letter detailing the claimed results with only raw numbers and no record of how any particular region voted. The letter claims that the mailed-in votes were safely locked away. To this day, the ballots have not been produced, nor has there been a region-by-region -region breakdown of the yes and no votes produced. This is hardly an expression of the will of the fellowship, the actual member addicts in their groups. A read of the available documents makes clear the level of manipulation and the strenuous effort to avoid the actual groups to which our services are supposed to be directly responsible having a voice at all. The simple fact of the matter is that when those who opposed the original wording of Traditions 4 and 9 changed their traditions without fellowship approval, they were called on it and the traditions were restored. When the established means failed, they simply went outside of procedure and the standing rules to get what they wanted when they wanted it. This was likely less a matter of impatience and more a matter of knowing that giving a full cycle for the opposition to actually ex express their side, it was highly unlikely that the fellowship that wrote the basic text and had just demanded that the original wording be restored would reverse its previous decision. Propaganda works best when there is no time to refute it. There was no emergency, and there was no procedure anyway for an emergency vote. The supporting documentation can be found on various places around the Internet. Now, another aside here, a quick one. I don't know how many of these websites are still operational, including unbiased sites like narchive.magshare.net and carrythemessage.com, originalna.org, the Alive and Free Home Group site, which does take a strong pro-Baby Blue stance, has compiled much of the Baby Blue relevant documentation on one page. For the sake of convenience, source material will be cited according to the original NA.org page. However, we urge all who choose to investigate to verify the validity of these documents by cross-checking them with other sites. In fact, the home group that runs original NA.org encourages the same. Now, I'm going to read this is another kind of 
I'm still following the script, but I'm giving a little information. I'm going to read these as they were originally listed on the NA side. If you're holding the actual document, NAS claims versus do documented facts, I don't know how many of these links are even still active. However, in the instructions that you listened to just prior to this scripted part of the podcast, uh, you were told where to go to get all of the supporting documentation. Now, it may not be worded exactly the same, but as I read what these are called on uh, in the essay and how they were listed on the original NA.org site originally, uh, you will be able to easily match them up with whatever they're called uh, now in the archive section of uh, the swanpodcast.com site. So if you are trying to access these where I have presented them to you, or you're just looking for them on your own on the Internet, the, the names that I'm about to read and throughout this essay will be clear enough that you'll be able to figure out what you're looking at, even if it's called something different. I hope I'm being clear there. So back to the actual reading. And I'm not going to read the, the uh, website URL for OriginalNA.org because while they are still posted there, I'm not even sure that the URL is the same. It may be something different as far as where they're actually stored. So back to back to reading this pretty much word for word. So the doc, the relevant documents uh, are the 1984 WSC slash trustee propaganda piece supporting removal of language from traditions four and nine. Uh, it could also be called the trustee memos uh, supporting removal of language from traditions four and nine. The 1984 letter with regard, well, excuse me, the 1984 letter with alleged 1984 mail-in vote results and claim that ballots never seen are in a safe, and the 1984 WSC minutes, the pre-publication first draft. The 1984 minutes have mysteriously disappeared from another website, from another site. We thought we'd give them back to the fellowship. Okay, I guess that last part was not necessary to read. I wasn't sure if it was relevant, so I read it and then realized it really wasn't. So back to the essay, Nas claim. Grateful Dave and a few others acted of their own volition. Fact, Grateful Dave and many others were acting on the direction of their home groups. This is established in the testimony offered in the 160-page court transcript of the Baby Blue case, as well as in a recording of two phone calls between Grateful Dave and Stu T. of the WSOBOD, or World Service Office Board of Directors, in which Dave tells Stu he is acting on the will of his home group in reaction to the 4th and 5th edition fiasco. Now, the relevant documentation, the 1991 court transcripts and the 1990 phone calls between Grateful Dave and Stu T. Now, that is not an actual document. That's the actual recording itself that you're going to be able to listen to. Uh, whether you get it through this link, if it's still active, or in, in the uh, archive section of swampodcast.com, or find it somewhere else on the Internet. That's not a transcript of the phone calls. It's, you'll hear Grateful Dave and Stu T's voices. It's pretty cool. Back to the reading. Now's claim. Grateful Dave and others made unauthorized changes to the basic text. Fact, the home groups responsible did not change the basic text. They restored the unitalicized body to the last version the groups approved without shenanigans like the mail-in vote of 1984. The exception to this is the italicized chapter headings, the reason being that the fellowship actually did approve the white book revisions of 1986 that were also applied to the headers, as the basic text is based on the white book. Most people refer to the baby blue as the third revised with original fourth and ninth traditions, ninth traditions, but the result is the same restoration to the traditions that the fellowship approved without administrative structures imposing their wills. WSO Inc. changed our book, not Grateful Dave, Billy A., Big Lou, or their home groups. And although I didn't write this in the essay when I wrote it, you could also uh, – throw other names in there that uh, are, are now discussed and were always a part of the history, uh, one being Wild Bill or Wild Bill, or B Bill Wild. Uh, he was a part of this as well, and I could have easily included his name. I did not. Uh, another aside, uh, none of those people changed our book. Uh, they restored our book as far as the actual, what's referred to as the baby blue is concerned. Compare the Baby Blue and the 6th edition to the original approval draft, which has more changes. Now, again, we provided links so that you can download the actual original approval draft, the Baby Blue itself, and the 6th edition. Yeah, <laughs> we've included the entire 6th edition. It's on uh, 
it's in the archives as well as still on the uh, Alive and Free website, uh, old, oldschoolna.org or originalna.org, either one of those works. Uh, and then there's uh, the details of the changes to the basic text uh, editions one through five from the approval draft. So you can actually see a synopsis of the known changes or go in there and compare them yourselves. You can download all three books, the original approval draft, the Baby Blue, and the sixth edition. Now it's claim. The fellowship approved the fifth edition after edits to the fourth edition went too far. Fact. Neither the fourth nor fifth edition went back to the fellowship for input review or approval. After the fellowship's outrage at the deep edits and missing lines from the fourth edition, it was decided on the floor of the WSC, WSC by RSRs and other voting members that they would simply reinsert the missing lines. This ignored the deep edit, not the light edit the fellowship approved, and still did not send the book back to the groups for review. Page 20 of the 1988 WSC minutes, which have been very hard to find since the resurgence of the baby blue movement, shows the motions and votes to suspend the rules and simply reinsert missing lines. Now, this is a quote from those actual minutes. Well, in a committee of the whole, it was the consensus of the conference that the 1987-88 WSC literature chairperson be charged with the responsibility to select a small committee to verify the correct insertion of the 25 typographical omissions and two intentional deletions into the current fourth edition and notify the conference of the membership of the small committee. The vote. Now, the vote is left blank. Chuck L., WSC vice chairperson, announced to the conference that we were now back in regular session. It was M slash S slash C, Eric H., RSR, Washington, Northern Idaho, slash Lori L., RSR, British Columbia, moved to suspend the rules and address the motion just developed by the Committee of the Whole. The vote carried by two-third majority show of, by show of hands. This is only a small snapshot, and the entire minutes should be read. Obviously, I'm no longer quoting those minutes. Following this up with a five-year moratorium to prevent the group's voices from being heard at WSC left the groups with no other option but to restore our book to the one we approved. The initial baby blues were actually pink and were literally third edition revised books. Eventually, the home groups involved decided to restore the fourth and ninth traditions as well because the 1984 mail-in vote similarly ignored the groups. It should be noted at this time that the ballots were still lost. There is an unsubstantiated claim that the actual ballots were found in the safe in 1991. Conversely, there are other unsubstantiated claims that some of the votes were recorded via outgoing phone calls to RSRs who had not mailed in ballots. Regardless, the ballots have yet to be seen by the general fellowship. And uh, again, the supporting document for this would be the 1988 WSC minutes in which the fifth edition is arbitrarily created without fellowship consent. Nas claim. The 1991 court case established WSO Inc. as the sole publisher of N.A. literature, forbade publication of the Baby Blue, and resulted in the fellowship affirming this. Fact, the order was actually an agreement between David Moorhead, or Grateful Dave, and WSO Incorporated. It was not binding on any home group or member addict other than Dave. It also required... WSO to do several things which they failed to do. In addition, at WSC 91, WSO misrepresented the spirit of goodwill inherent in the language of the agreement and acted contrary to provisions to move in a direction that rescinds the moratorium and allows the groups to choose their basic text. And a relevant documentation is the 1991 agreement between Grateful Dave and WSO. By WSC 1992, a motion to enforce or vacate had been filed by, with the court, it looks like a typo there that I actually managed to say by or with, but I'm going to read it again how it's actually typed. By WSC 1992, a motion to enforce or vacate had been filed by, with the court, alleging that WSO Inc. had failed to comply with the court order. Actually, it should say filed by Dave with the court. Sadly, Grateful Dave passed before it could be heard in court. 
This motion is not available, but WSO Inc. has acknowledged that it was filed. Uh, there is also documentation, I believe it's included, but documentation of the filing itself. Even though uh, the motion itself isn't there, the, the court record that it was filed uh, has been found. Now it's claim. In 1991, the fellowship affirmed the fifth edition and WSO Inc. as the sole publisher of NA literature. Fact. After agreeing to pursue letting the groups decide, WSO Inc. brought an attorney to the floor. They created an atmosphere whereby participants were led to believe the court affirmed WSO's right to our literature and repeatedly referred to the actions of Dave and his home group as illicit and illegal. This is woefully out of line with the spirit of compromise they led Judge Pollock and Grateful Dave to believe they were embracing. Here is an excerpt from the agreement. It's point number four, but that's irrelevant. Uh, and just so you know, motions one, two, and three became motions 13, 14, and 15 at WSO. Uh, the numbers don't need to match up. We'll aside there. Uh, back to the actual reading. WSO agrees to place without comment, but with an introduction, the following motions in the 1991 Conference Agenda Report of the World Service Conference, WSC, which shall immediately follow the publication in their entirety of the closing remarks of the Honorable Lewis H. Pollock entered at the A preliminary hearing held on Wednesday, January 2nd, 1991, in the United States District Court in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, prior to the announcement of any judgment. Motion one, that the fellowship reconsider its decision on which edition, uh, excuse me, that the fellowship reconsider its decision on which edition, first, second, third, third revised, fourth, or fifth, of the basic text shall be produced and distributed by the WSO as the official and accepted text of Narcotics Anonymous. In order for this motion to be considered, a description of the differences between the respective editions will be sent to each registered area and region, along with a copy of the complete basic text, third edition revised. It is assumed that the WSC will rescind the motions adopted in 1988, which adopted the fifth edition as the basic text, as well as the motion restricting any change to the text for five years. Motion two, that the WSO produce at a reduced price the addition of the text ratified by the WSC. The actual price of this text should be determined in view of the following factors. Its affordability to the membership at large, the change, if any, and the cost and quality of the materials used in producing the book, whether it includes book two as well as book one, and the responsibility of the WSO to provide services from the income generated by sales of the basic text. Motion three, that the WSC be directed to seek a group-by-group group tally of all the groups registered with the WSO on motions one and two above. This procedure will begin on July 1st, 1991 and continue through December 31st, 1991. All registered groups shall receive a copy of a paper detailing the differences between the editions of the basic text and a complete copy of the basic text third edition revised. In addition, each group shall receive complete information concerning the issues relevant to a reduction in the price of the ratified text. The committee appointed to supervise this tally shall consist of the following, four RSRs to be nominated by the entire group of RSRs. If it's okay with y'all, y'all can read that. The actual makeup of this committee, which never happened, is not important. The fact that uh, there was supposed to be one is. So you can go ahead and, and, and read that if you like. Uh, let's see. Two members of the WSO staff shall also be assigned as non-voting advisory members. The results of the group-by-group group tally shall be published in the fellowship report and ratified as the official as official at World Service Conference in 1992. So that's the last sentence of the... Uh, motions there, quoted from the court transcripts. In motion one, the second paragraph begins with the words, in order for this motion to be considered. This was an agreement with regard to the motion and commentary on the responsibilities of various parties. 
In the WSC 1991 minutes, when the motion is listed, only the, the first paragraph is in quotations as the motion itself. WSO is agreeing to send a third edition revised and details of all the changes to each area and region. There is a list of changes that we have actually referenced as source material in this essay. However, it did not go out to every area and region, nor did it go out in the 1991 conference agenda report. And uh, the relevant documentation is the 1991 conference agenda report. It says car report, that's redundant. Further, the commentary in motion one indicates that the WSO will move in a direction that supports the motion and assumes the fifth edition and moratorium will be repealed. Interestingly, the WSO agreed to publish the agreement without comment. Yet, in the 1991 card, it appears at the end of Stu T's report. He first begins by stating the BOD has no motions for the fellowship to vote on, ignoring the fact that the WSO agreed to a court order mandating a vote on the aforementioned motions. He then presents three proposals or affirmations. The reason for this is that he had promised the committee working on the FIPT that there would be no motions with regard to WSO ownership or control of our literature. Both sides were supposed to be working together. The original FIPT committee was later disbanded by WSO. And the relevant documentation is a 1992 sworn statement regarding misrepresentations of Stu T with regard to the creation of an FIPT. It's actually sworn statements, and I will break down in many of these people because it's public record and their first and last names are listed. Uh, one of the three has actually since passed, but it was William Allen, uh, James Miller, and Kathleen Miller. Uh, all made sworn statements to the court uh, about this deception. Uh, and there is... Uh, you can download that. It's in our documentation. In effect, Stu was getting around his promise to make no motions regarding WSO literature control, while at the same time stating the BOD had no motions for this fellowship, thereby creating the illusion that the WSO was not a party to the motions they helped craft and agreed to support. Worse, Stu puts forth his proposals with commentary on why WSO needs to be affirmed as the sole publisher of NA literature. The last such instance in his report is on page 28 of the car. On page 29, he then publishes the agreement, quote, without commentary, unquote. He literally commented extensively on the need to affirm WSO Inc. as the sole publisher of NA literature, thereby linking the events of the court case by making such a reference, and then moves to the court order slash agreement as if moving on to a different item of business equates to publication without comment. This placement was not coincidental but strategic. You can view the excerpts below, but we encourage you to read the full report in the 1991 card. And uh, they, you should download the 1991 car. I believe there are several links the, throughout this essay to that. Uh, excerpts of Stu T's quote-unquote non-commentary in the 1991 car, which illustrate the exact manner in which he violated the letter and spirit of the court order, are included in the pages which follow. And now this is a quote from the 1991 car. The WSO Board of Directors does not have does not have any new motions for you to consider at WSC 91. However, we are asking for your consent to continue our work with the WSC and WSB on three proposals included as addendums and reaffirm some important decisions made by the World Service Conference in years past. During the 1990 conference, several important matters were brought to our attention. First, many of the previous decisions and actions of the WSC were not adequately documented in the printed record of the conference or subsequently distributed to our members. Second, that the fiduciary relationship of the WSO to the NA Fellowship is not understood to the satisfaction of our members. Third, that the initial reasons surrounding the creation of a fiduciary responsibility for NA's properties also were not clearly understood. The initial reasons for creating a fiduciary entity were twofold. One, to establish for NA the capacity to protect and secure all intellectual properties, trademarks, and copyrights of the NA Fellowship. Two, to provide an, a, an essential mechanism by which all NA literature, books, pamphlets, handbooks, etc., would be uniformly produced, printed, manufactured, sold, and distributed. Later on in uh, the, uh, his report, 
Certainly, the activities during this past year concerning the production and distribution of Book One of the Basic Text have caused us to place these issues in front of our members again. Our choices are not simple and require a great deal of discussion. To reaffirm our past decisions, modify them, or provide another mechanism to protect and hold the properties of our fellowship. We encourage you to consider the issues carefully and be prepared to discuss them at length at the conference. If the fellowship wishes to continue to have the WSO act in this capacity, then the conference will need to discuss it thoroughly and choose to act positively on the following statements. One, to reaffirm that all of NA's intellectual and physical properties are held in a fiduciary capacity by the WSO incorporated on behalf of the Fellowship of Narcotics Anonymous. Two, to reaffirm that the World Service Office Incorporated is the exclusive publisher and distributor of all World Service Conference approved literature, including all books, pamphlets, handbooks, and other intellectual and physical properties as directed by the Fellowship of Narcotics Anonymous through the World Service Conference. Now, from page 29 of the 1991 card, <laughs> the following is... The following section of the WSO report is provided as our commitment to the recent settlement agreement concerning the production and distribution of the basic text. The motions from the agreement as presented in this section are the culmination of a joint effort by all concerned to obtain a clear understanding and determination from the fellowship. We encourage all regions, areas, and groups to read the introductory remarks thoroughly and to consider each motion conscientiously during their subsequent deliberations. The motions are not accompanied with intent statements and are presented without any further comment other than the following introductory remarks. I'm gonna do another aside here again. This is after all that spiel and all that stuff he just said about why WSO needs to be the sole publisher now all this w without comment on the very next page. <laughs> so back to the actual quote. Uh, These are the comments of the Honorable Lewis H. Lewis H. Pollock, J. United States District Court for the Eastern District of Pennsylvania, and J. stands for judge. The court... We have spent the day hearing testimony in this matter. It is not the kind of a controversy that a court welcomes. It is quite evidently a controversy which is essentially internal to a group with many, many members, many dispersed sub-entities, a common purpose, a common purpose of great social consequence. It is evident that the fellowship has engaged over the years the devoted participations of tens of thousands, now maybe hundreds of thousands of people, people who have in their own lives been deeply troubled and who have striven very hard to liberate themselves in the course of time to help liberate others to brave this sort of peril. For a controversy to arise in an enterprise of that kind is regrettable. Certainly one that is controversy, one that is controversy Excuse me. Certainly one that is controversy that seems to be deeply schismatic. It is more regrettable, and it appears to be beyond the capacity of the participants to resolve their differences internally, recognizing the larger importance of common purposes than the areas of disagreement. That is to say, the more regrettable one. Appeal is made to the secular authority of the courts to make dispositions. I ask the, per the parties to try their best to reach some resolution, at least on an interim basis, not on a final basis, and the efforts of the 27th and the, and the efforts on the 27th and 28th of December evidently were not fruitful. Today's testimony Moni, only underscores for me the importance of some, of some serious, and then the quote ends there, uh, as far as the essay is concerned. We're going back to the essays done quoting that. It just shows the very first parts of, of what uh, Judge Pollock was saying. The violations of the spirit and letter of the court order do not stop there. WSO then brought their attorney to the conference floor, creating an atmosphere and the illusion that Dave and the baby blue were out of line and to be defeated rather than telling the truth, that they made what all involved thought were it was a good faith agreement that the motions set forth were mutual. 
WSO also strategically placed the vote on the motions agreed to in court directly after motions to affirm WSO as the owner of NA literature. And again, the documentation for this is the 1991 WSC approved minutes. From the 1991 WSC minutes, pages referenced are according to the PDF file as the pages of the minutes are not themselves numbered. PDF page 17. Teresa Middlebrook, intellectual property attorney for the WSO, explained that this dot 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 is intended to provide clarity, emphasizing the need for the conference to reaffirm and ratify that WSO is the owner of the legal rights to the fellowship literature, which rights are held in trust on behalf of the fellowship. She pointed out that this has been established de facto by the facts, and a clear written conference action will be most helpful. Ms. Middlebrook pointed out that the claims of some people that effective written transfer of ownership was never made for the basic text are groundless in her opinion. After the vote, which of course ignored all, ignored all three motions the WSO agreed to support, it was obvious that no matter which side one took, no one believed the will of the groups had been consulted, as is evidenced by the following quotes from the 1991 WSC minutes. Quote, Others expressed the view that the controversy would disappear if the groups could decide the issues, unquote. PDF page 22, quote, several participants suggested reconsidering motions 13 and 15 with the thought that fellowship consultation will help resolve the issues, end quote. Also from PDF page 22, quote, Another felt that dot, 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 the individual involved was now being rewarded by forcing the WSC to spend time on motions 13, 14, and 15, end quote, from PDF page 23. The last comment is particularly disturbing because it speaks to the fact that WSO presented these motions as something they forced on the fellowship rather than a mutual expression of unity and a willingness to let the groups decide the issue. The court documents make clear that this was a mutual agreement and that both parties had that it was a mutual agreement that both parties had designed. And let us not forget it was WSO who decided to force the issue and sue Grateful Dave. Had WSO elected not to turn the fellowship against itself and try to sue a member, there would have been no court order mandating the WSO or the WSC do anything. WSO was, in fact, an architect of the agreement and subsequent court order, an agreement that gave the WSO what they wanted. Dave stops publishing basic texts. It also made it possible for Dave to enter an agreement to stop publishing as it gave the groups their voice back. In this way, he could enter an agreement without violating his obligation to carry out his home group's conscience. Reading the court documents makes very clear that these motions were a mutual agreement between WSO and David Moorhead. There was no obligation for the fellowship to vote one way or another, but WSO had a very clear obligation to support the motions and the agreement they crafted. Perhaps the most telling of the mentality of some of those involved in, quote, service, unquote, is the following, again from the 1991 minutes. One participant expressed his hope that an answer is forthcoming about whether decision-making should be done by the membership or a more experienced group of trusted servants, end quote. Back to the next NAS, now on to the next NAS claim. <laughs> NAS claim, they simply don't want to sue Baby Blue supporters. Fact. Nas would likely lose if it were to sue, because it would be unwise for Nas to sue. It has a choice, except that they do not control our literature or set the groups one against the other. The Nas World Board has seemingly chosen the latter. The truth of the matter is that the home groups who were not involved in the case continued to produce Baby Blues in 1991. This has continued to this very day, and WSO Inc. slash Nas Inc. have been aware the entire time. There is absolute proof that they are aware that the production of the Baby Blue did not cease when Grateful Dave stopped printing on behalf of his group because it's in the 1991 WSC Minutes. Quote, a new version of the illegal book has surfaced. Uh, end quote. Also on PDF page 22. Why would WSO Inc. not go back into court with their new affirmation from WSC to own and defend the literature? 
Put simply, it is because they were out of line with the 1991 court order. They would have lost based on the agreement and precedent they created. Moreover, because WSO Inc. and Nas Inc. have now failed to act against the baby boo for a quarter century, having documented in their own 1991 minutes their awareness of continued publication, they would risk losing any claimed copyrights due to their failure to act against baby boo publishers. This is, in fact, the reason WSO gave that same year for allowing outside vendors to sell and profit from the NA logo. They failed to defend when it happened. Nas and the World Board are in the position of, one, finding a lawsuit and running a high risk of losing all claims to a copyright, two, admitting groups and member addicts have a right to produce the literature, which would at least preserve their ability to litigate against actual outside entities, or three, trying to maintain power and control by setting groups against one another. Sadly, their actions indicate they have opted for the choice that creates unnecessary dissension, carries the illusion of power and control, and denies the newcomer access to literature on the premise that it is better to deny a free basic text to newcomers because we need money to produce $12 basic texts for newcomers. In short, allowing a corporate entity to use our name has created problems of money, property, and prestige, which are now diverting the groups from their primary purpose as NAS stirs dissension rather than allowing autonomous groups to carry the message free of charge. In their own words from various essays published in 2014 and 2015, this is a quote, this is fundamentally an issue of economics, unquote. Those of us who truly care about carrying the message to the addict who still suffers, including groups who publish free basic texts that include the 5th slash 6th edition changes and whom Nas still opposes, would beg to differ. This is fundamentally an issue of keeping what we have by giving it away. The well over 130,000 and counting baby blues, not to mention free 5th slash 6th editions distributed on all six inhabited continents, are testament to the fact there actually are addicts willing to produce a basic text without the need of salaried positions or corporate titles with expense accounts in lieu of salaries. We know we can produce a free or low-cost basic text because groups have been doing it since 1987. Uniformity is not synonymous with unity. It is the antithesis of unity and a hallmark of tyranny. Baby Blue and Gray Book groups are not trying to force the literature we use on other NA groups. We respect the autonomy of, quote, sixth edition, unquote, groups as much as we value our own. Were addicts and groups not under fire as a result of Nas and their world board encouraging such acts, we would simply ignore Nas, as is our right as autonomous, non-governed home groups. How wonderful would it be if you used your sixth edition, we used our baby blue, we all peacefully coexisted, and newcomers got a free basic text. And this essay ends with uh, two quotes from the WSC Select Committee on Service Structure, 1988. Group autonomy, oh, by the way, that's the uh, committee that <laughs> authored the concepts eventually. 1988, WSC Select Committee on Service Structure. Group autonomy gives each group the right to accept or reject any decision made in its behalf, even if that decision is otherwise supported or rejected by the vast majority of other NA groups. And then the other quote, misconceptions. Leading the way is the general perception that the decisions made by the WSC are the expression of a collective ultimate authority. Through our investigation of our traditions, we believe that this is fundamentally incorrect. The WSC is instead the place where the effective voice of our groups from around the fellowship through their chosen representatives come together with those responsible for our world service operations to establish direction and guidance for our worldwide service efforts. This statement more correctly acknowledges the functional reality of the WSC and does not imply any authority which is out of balance with our principles. If we take a step back and look closely, we may conclude that the, the, the WSC, nor any service body, cannot speak as an ultimate authority. It is only meant to be the collective voice of our fellowship determining the mainstream of NA experience, which it has properly been delegated to do. The groups, utilizing their group conscience 
as an ultimate authority, in reality, decide the force of our service decisions, not the participants of the WSC. That is the end of the essay. I'm not going to add any further commentary. Uh, thank you for listening. You've been listening to Autonomous Unity on the Solidarity with Autonomy Network. Addicts are thrown in the pits in the sun. Many alone now united as one. You've been listening to Autonomous Unity on the Solidarity with Autonomy Network. The Swamp. I do love you. And I am here. I care. I'm watching over you. And I always will be.